Arrgh, grog. Hello and welcome to Sideship Podcast, a weekly waffle about the arches. I'm Peter Fickling and as always I'm joined by Kerry Warbis and Matthew Weir. But uh, this week Kerry is laid low, we're lucky to have her. You were at death's door till this morning Kerry. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say death's door necessarily, that's kind of you to check in. But um, yeah, I've been boring everyone on social medias about it. Um, just a, one of the, I think it's doing the rounds, isn't it? There's, it's like a sort of killer cold, not killer really. I'm not dead. Isn't that called something else? Is it COVID? <laughs> I actually haven't got that. I did do a test Sunday night at 3am and it was an antigen test, you know, those freebies you get and it was negative, but you, you can get false negatives on those, can't you? But anyway, I think I'm all right on the COVID front. I think we would have all heard the scream worldwide of you losing your sense of taste. <laughs> I'm on my I'm on my 18th kebab and nothing. Nothing's happened. Yeah, no, I'm all right. I sound worse than I was going to say than I look, but I don't know about that. I sound worse than I feel. I mean, you've you've put the wheels in motion to kind of make yourself feel good this evening because you messaged us to say that you were putting your thighs in the oven. <laughs> I did put thighs in the oven. Yeah. It's it's a well-known Warbis cold curing technique. <laughs> Hot water bowl? Uh, nah. No, you put your thighs in the oven with some herbs and some stock and garlic. World's uh, slowest and comfiest suicide. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so sorry if I'm wheezing and what have you. But um, Well, yeah. I will not be attempting a Kirsty impression this week, that's for sure. Yeah. No, you'd be out done, yeah. I'm trying to think of something Kirsty would say. Shut it, Emma. No, she's not from Yorkshire, is she? Well, she's she's conspicuous by her absence, really, in the whole rehabilitation of Blake, isn't she? It's yeah. almost as if she sensed that she was doing more. The same as with Linda and Robert, they were doing more harm than good. So they've had, they've they've slung their hook without being asked to. That's a very good point, and it mm. and actually it sort of it, it it focuses on one of the things. One of my complaints about this week's plot with with Martin was it, it was so obvious that Martin was you know, posturing as the good guy before he was going to be revealed as the rat bag that you know he has been in the past, mm. and and it's it, that kind of the sort of subtlety of hearing um, Kirsty wrestle with her demons or some more scenes like the ones we had with um, uh, uh, um, help me out Linda and Robert. Would I think would have would have been more useful? I mean, Jazza. To be fair, Jazza did do a lot of that, but yeah, a, a bit of Kirsty action would have helped with that. I think. Well, where she'd realised that she went in too heavy before and t- took a different tack. Do you mean? Yeah, or or just or just that um, she would have been a more useful counterpoint to um, to Jazza's um, sincere and sterling efforts than Martin. Because I mean, I was kind of hoping that Martin actually was being a good guy. That would have been actually quite interesting if they. But but being the being the archers, he had to be a pantomime villain villain in the end. Mm. I mean, I I almost regret my eleventh hour decision to edit that comment out about Martin Gibson last week because he is certainly as bad as I said he was in that comment. <laughs> but and it was as you said, Peter, it was all about promotion for the farm and mm. trying to i mean i like the way that they got the echo in again because it was that echo reporter before that went back to to susan's house and got all the dirt wasn't it what's it yeah yeah what, uh, what was he called Cole. she went round the village trying to find things out and she ended up buying a bottle of wine depressed in the shop and got chatting to susan and like basically like susan's yeah. deep throat isn't she just told her everything took her home 
got Neil in a whole world of pain, didn't it, as well? Oh, yeah, it was Corey, not Cole. Yeah, Corey, but yeah. Yeah, it was a woman before, wasn't it, from okay, the Echo? Okay, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. You'd think they'd give um, Ambridge a bit of a, a wider berth. Every time they go there, they sort of uh, get set up for an absolute shooing by, you know, uh, this time it was Jazza. Who was it before who um, sent the reporter away with a flea in their ear? Well, every, everyone sent her away, didn't they, last time? I can't remember who told her to sling her hook. Yeah, she she wasn't quite as sensitive as this Corey bloke was, was it? He, he, no. he was actually... I felt a little bit sorry for him. He was actually he'd been chucked in without any context, hadn't he? Properly about Blake's um, mental state. No, she was much more. My editor is going to kill me if I yeah. don't get this story. <laughs> and then Susan's like, I can help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you will know every, everything from 1986 onwards. And and Corey did actually say to Blake as he left, "I wish you all the best" or something, didn't he? Like, he. Uh, wanted he felt bad i think about what he'd just been doing i liked a bit where where jazza burst in and said where are you from and he said the echo and he went what and he said the echo <laughs> is there an echo in here <laughs> echo brilliant i uh, thought jazza was gonna get fired um i mean maybe he uh, still will but i mean he was he was magnificently you know unrestrained with uh, martin gibson despite the fact that martin gibson obviously holds his livelihood in his hand yeah, he. I thought there might have been a punch thrown, but well done, Jazza, for not doing that. And Martin can't have any gripes with Jazza after that because Jazza knows what Martin was trying to do. The, the PR that was spilled out of that, uh, man defends slave uh, from yeah. attack from company owner who exploited slaves. It's like, you know, yeah. And get, yeah, and gets sacked or something, yeah. One of the reasons why, I well... Possibly one of the reasons a punch wasn't thrown. Jazza is probably better than that, but also Blake got very traumatized very quickly at the raised voices, didn't he? He did. Yeah. And I think even after that, Jazza was more concerned about going after Blake to see how he was oh. than remonstrating with the with Gibson. Yeah, the, yeah. the stock syndrome was very upsetting, wasn't it? It was, and it was so sad because he literally had to say to Jazza, you know, I can't trust anyone. And Jazza, well, you can trust me. You can trust me. He he just won't believe it any longer, will he? Or it'll be so so difficult to build it back up again. And we have to ride that archer's roller coaster, don't we? Because on Tuesday, you know, Jazza's saying to him, you know, you can tr- you're safe now. You can trust me. Yeah. You can trust these people. And then it's all thrown out of the window in the next episode. Mm. And. What's it going to take? I mean, do you think we're going to end up with conjugal visits to Gavin? And do you think Gavin's going to have to tell him, we did exploit you? Because well, the only, the only yeah. thing that separates Gavin and Philip from the others was that, like, they didn't try to kill him. Yeah, and he did say he's going off to find them and to help them, didn't he? So may, he may well be going to do a visit um, to them in the Nick. Uh, it's possible that uh, Philip has reached a level of contrition because he was starting to. I know that the last time we saw him, he was pretending to be um, uh, seeking forgiveness, and then he threw it back in everyone's mm. face. But um, I don't. Uh, do you do you think he would? Do you think he's so without heart that he wouldn't just let you know give Blake the honest version of events? He's got nothing left to gain. From Blake. I, don't, I don't think he will. No, I think no. only Gavin will. Fair enough. Because yeah. he was willing he was willing to throw his own son under the bus, wasn't he? 
at the end. You're right. Maybe maybe he's not the best bloke in the world. I might have got it wrong. <laughs> a bit of, yeah, a bit dodgy. There have been some clues, haven't there? Kill <laughs> it. Nice Welsh chap. Um, you know, good with the kids. Like Christmas lights. You know him. <laughs> Oh dear, yeah, that was it was dreadfully sad. I think Jazza will make it all better, but it'll take it it'll take some work, won't it? Good work by the actor as well, because he, mm. he suddenly had like a spring in his step, didn't he, in Tuesday's episode, and he sounded different. The actor, he sounded more self assured. Yeah. You know, when he, he was like, you know, it's a big place here, I don't know if I could do the job and stuff, and then it the moment there's that pressure on him again, like the questions are being asked. And the real trigger was Corey mentioning Philip, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was. He did have that bit of a meltdown with the strimmer. Well, haven't he? we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw, I've seen my dad go absolutely nuts I've in the never, 80s. I've never had a go on one, to be honest, but my parents had them. Yeah, they're quite good, aren't they? I, I don't actually have any grass. What specific, Kerry? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking that maybe Matthew's hero Jim will actually be able to repay some of the. Will be able to support Jazza on this. I can imagine Jazza turning mm. to Jim, and Jim will then be able to. Talk. We might have a scene where Jim brings his experience as a you know a victim, a, you know, a, a victim of many years, mm. and is able to then sit with Blake and talk to him in the kind of clear-headed and also uh, as a, as a peer. Yeah, what what you need is Jim is to say like, I uh, I actually recorded secretly on a dictaphone when I told Philip to to piss off out the house, play it to him and like see, but oh, um that scene oh that was so bloody good wasn't it yeah and that's what I was a little disappointed that Jazza said that and I think on the back of the whole Linda Robert thing that they were keeping keeping the prof away from from Blake because it might just freak him out because it's it's not on his level. Oh, did that? They said that earlier in the week. He said, like, he, he doesn't need the prof around talking to him about, like, you know, ancient Romans and stuff like Aww. this. Was he just trying to make light of it, maybe? And also, Blake's um, staying in the Elms, isn't he, at the moment? Yeah. Where And they, they mentioned, oh, the Elms where Pat volunteers, <laughs> somebody said, didn't they? To remind us, because uh, we sure haven't heard her doing that, have we? <laughs> It's like the anti-Samaritans. Yeah, nothing would raise spirits like Pat chatting to you, would it? <laughs> yeah, but it's good that he's got somewhere proper to live. I hope he comes back and it all works out and he does carry on working and what have you. That would be yeah. nice. Yeah, and I, I, I hope that he's... Um, I mean, what would be what would be really nice is if he... if they. I mean, I don't want it to drag on and on. I think we've had... I mean, well, not you guys, but I know everyone knows I've had enough of this this plot. But um, it would be nice if he, his rehabilitation ended up with him just being a character in the village and yeah. he sort of was able to kind of heal to the point where he was able to sort of just be, you know, a bit like um, a bit like Ed has, but obviously it's a lot more extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're all longing for that day, aren't we, where he just fits in and we almost have to be reminded about how he came to be here. And stuff yeah, that would like be that. nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, from very nice, <laughs> we've got we've got, our pick, <laughs> we've got our pick of opposites. I'm going to say the absolute effing bollocks, no f-ing bollocks, from uh, Lillian, Justin, and Shula yeah. this week. Uh, my particular, um, my particular sort of annoyance 
came from just how preposterous, yet again, Justin was. Justin, the business expert, is now mincing around the stables, like kind of like going <laughs> to the burrow, um, you know, <laughs> trying to sort of sift out clues. I mean, it's just the whole thing was just appalling. I think it's gone far too quickly, this, honestly. From a casual mention over drinks forced upon Shula, Lillian keeps forcing booze on Shula, doesn't she? Um, they, she was buying her a tonic and said, "I, I took, I, I took the." Uh, I can't remember how she phrased it. I took the liberty yeah. of adding into your tonic, and I, yeah. think, I think Shula was just like, "But I've got Roly parked up outside." <laughs> yeah, she's she's a one, isn't she? But it's it's gone from that casual chat last week to yeah like you say justin rolling along the floor with a balaclava on taking photographs <laughs> he's tunneling <laughs> he's tunneling through yeah and he wants to make this um après cheval that was my favorite saying this week I didn't hear that yeah, oh, no, yeah. But, but the seeds of that were planted weeks ago when they went to the isle of wight oh, when she was when they were talking about the eventing do you oh, remember? So, and it yeah. was like Lillian wanted the horse. Justin thought she'd want the yacht. They were already talking uh, yeah, about it. Then. It makes sense. He, he's if you can't take the mountain of Hamid to make, take them to Mohammed to the mountain, he's trying to sort of bring the all the luxury that Lillian wouldn't let him have back to the back to Ambridge. Yeah, he wanted. There was a whole list of things he wanted, wasn't there? Um, there was a solarium, floodlights, yeah. a huge arena. He also asked Joanne, she'd apparently been asking Joanne um, which ponies weren't pulling their weight. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine you're not going to have this like um, private clubhouse at the front and then Ambridge's first glue factory at the back. Oh, God. Yeah. And also there was a horse walker mentioned that he wanted to install, wasn't there? Which I at first thought might be a person. But I looked it up and it's this huge cage thing that horses walk round and round in circles in. We did have a chat last time when they went to the Isle of Wight about what event, what eventing involved. And I did do some research and asked a mm. ho- horse people that I knew. And they said, it, I thought at the time it was a mixture of all three, show jumping, dressage and whatever that other thing that people do with horses is. What did I say? Show jumping, dressage and... There's, oh, cross country. So it's a mix of all oh, three. Right, okay. So that's basically what, what you do. Yeah. And apparently Justin's got the bug. I like the way also <laughs> that it does just seem to be, it just seems to have gone incredibly quickly from the fact that Justin mm. was like, it's a really bad pitch to suddenly he was like, I feel a strategy brewing. I was like, no one says that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all of Shula's caveats that she said. At the beginning was, you know, it's important. I keep in control of the business and I want to take a reasonable salary from it. I, yeah, I mean, she would if it was a successful um, Après Cheval, huge arena place. Uh, but the biggest thing was she wanted the heart of the stables to stay the same. Dreary, moribund. <laughs> <laughs> Shula recoup- recuperating from her fall, lying on a bale of hay. That kind of feel. <laughs> but I liked how Justin said, well, it was a shit pitch that she did, wasn't it? I got bored halfway through. Yeah. That was outrageous. Yeah, and it was. But, I didn't, but then then again, I mean, very direct to say you want to appear, appeal to more than the Kira Grundis of this world. Mm. I know. I mean, he's a twat, isn't he? I hate him. 
I mean, I'm not yep. defending. I'm not defending Justin at all. There is nothing to defend, but there is a no. kind of um, it, you know we shouldn't miss an opportunity to give Shula a bit of a ha- uh, hiding as well. And there is a kind of a naive hypocrisy to her stance. It's like I want everything to stay the same, but I also want you to plow your money in and to just mm. help you basically take salary. It's like no, no, you you know you, if you want the money you're going to have to accept that it's it's going to be there's going to be some substantial changes um because yeah mm. like you know like uh, ice cream van on the corner so i mean if even if you are keeping the kira the kira not oh, the kira knightley kira grundy crowd coming in you're still going <laughs> to need to tap them for more than their 40 pounds for 3 hours of trotting around you know on a clapped out old nag yeah i know she's she's in a tizzy as she always is our shula she's caught between t- a rock and a hard place uh, how will it all end? Oh, actually, how it's going to possibly end is that Lillian said, leave Justin to me, darling. And they're going to cook up a a um, business plan of their very own, which why will please everybody. Sorry? Oh, sorry, I was just agreeing with you. Why do they need Justin? I mean, it's... Mm. I mean, well, it's his money, it's his isn't mo- it? Yeah, it's his money. But doesn't Lillian have... I mean, Lillian has... I know Lillian was uh, fleeced by um, Tiger. Uh, but she still, she was still able to sort of free up some money by selling various properties, and she managed to. Um... If she stopped drinking, she'd make a fortune, wouldn't she? Yeah, there was that moment where they said, you know, <laughs> the, the the bull. Don't worry about the bull. Shula said to Kenton, "Don't worry about like they won't give up on the bull because bull the bull's part of Lillian's DNA." And I was like, "What's that? The gin shelf?" <laughs> <laughs> it literally is. <laughs> Pumping round her veins. I mean, I, I can I can I can speak speak to that because I you know as as you well know I I, I guilt free buy all kinds of uh, ridiculous coffee paraphernalia using the um the the money I used to spend on on booze. It's, it's obscene mm. the amount that you know. Uh, is it six pounds a pint now that people pay? I've been hearing some horror stories. Yeah, I mean, mm. I I naively was back in England um, and went to, into a pub owned by a brewery that I used to work for. This was on my way down to Shepton Mallet to view my adopted cat. And I ordered two of the beers from the brewery and without any sense of irony, asked the guy, is this, what's that, 180 a pint? <laughs> the oh, guy God. just looked at me like I'd just landed from another planet. When did you do that? <laughs> uh, I did that probably about two and a half, three years ago. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, he probably thought you were a time traveller or something. You stepped out of the block of ice in the corner of the room. You thawed out. (laughs) As recently as kind of 2008, 2009, the difference between how cheap a round round was in England compared to how much a round was in Dublin was insane. Like, if you, if in Dublin, if you ordered like you and three mates pints or something to go with it, you wouldn't expect to get change back from a 50. You'd have to give extra. Whereas I would come over to England and I remember being in Bristol in not um, quite a swanky place and ordering drinks for seven and it was un- still under £20. And I think things must have changed very dramatically in the last uh, 12 years. It used to be London and a couple of other places with the exception and the rest of the country kind of held London back from going completely bananas. And at a certain point in time, all of the other cities kind of like just adopted London prices. I think that's when it all flipped because it used to be like I remember, obviously, I'd go and visit family out in the country, you know, out in the countryside and you'd go to the local pub and you'd suddenly feel like a millionaire having been in London for, you know, like you're, like you're down to a couple of quid a pint. Mm. But yeah, I, I can't believe how much it costs now. That's the thing about coming into um, coming into London, isn't it? You're like someone always. I always felt coming up from Bristol that someone just magically 
removes 50 pounds from my wallet as I go through around Chiswick roundabout. <laughs> I don't know where it goes. <laughs> I just get into London and I'm slightly more broke than I was. Uh, Porto pints were over a fiver. Yeah, that's a recent thing, though, but that does depend where you go. Yeah, we were by the river, so maybe. Yeah, you were you were living your best life out here, <laughs> Kerry. You were, you were going to places I would never normally oh. go to. But no, Bar of Soap, where we went on the last yeah. night. We um, went to a few uh, rough places as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess. No, no, it was lovely. Yeah, so is that all the stable shit out of the way? <laughs> Very quickly, how much do you think a pint is in the bowl and how much do you think Justin will want to charge at oh. the... Uh, the... Pint of Shires, I reckon, is four three... pounds a bit. You reckon I was going to say three pound fifty? Am I naive? Mm. Well, David wouldn't pay over two pounds fifty, would he, for a pint? I don't think. I, I, I get the feeling he's very, very cheap. Yeah, but they've got to make a living, haven't they? Poor old Kenton, who is the uh, Ambridge showman. Oh God! Or is it David who's the Ambridge showman? I've got no, confused it's, now. It's Kenton. Okay. Yeah, that was that was astonishing. It was quite interesting. I don't think I've ever heard him say it so nakedly, like so sort of come out as, you know, that's how he perceives himself as Mr. Entertainment. And he was explaining to his mum patiently about um, how one does comedy. You know, oh, mum, you know, it's diff- you, you know, comedy is a serious business. And he wasn't saying it to be funny. Um, I mean, he's, yeah. his his credentials as a massive bellend were uh, uh, you know, sealed. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, everything with Kenton is just—it's all bad gags, isn't it? I thought when he yelled, "I'm the Ambridge Showman," he was trying to do it to the tune of the Urban Spaceman. <laughs> yes, I know. I know that song. I uh, felt for Jazzer in that first episode of the week because uh, there's Jazzer, and he's caught between the two of them, these two brothers, trying to plan something they're going to do for entertainment. And I could relate to it a bit because one person saying they want to work, they work best off the cuff and the other one wants to be more prepared. Uh, I just thought, I'm getting a massive feeling uh, of deja vu uh, here. uh, This is like a pre-pod meeting between Kerry and Peter. Very Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you two are gradually sliding in my direction as the months go past. My complete lack of preparedness is becoming the, you know, the the standard, standard way of doing things, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I I think I think there is some defense to that. It was just a it was a cheap yeah, shot. Very f-ing funny, Matthew. <laughs> oh. Oh my. And I and to be fair, Matthew, to be fair, Matthew, I do at least listen to the archers. That is something I, I Oh, nice one. That is funny, Peter. <laughs> yes. But would David make a spreadsheet or prepare because what was it Kenton said to him? Stick to checklists. Yeah. I mean, God, they it was all very dreary wasn't it I do sometimes I have laughed along with Kenton Kenton in the past when he's like done off off the cuff silly stuff I can't think of any examples (laughs) I thought they were even funny this even just their little funny yeah their little arguments I like the way that he just insists on calling David Dave yes until he needs his help yeah 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 exactly that's good David i Never, I literally can't think of laughing at anything he has said. I did like the bit where you know he said you're just going to tell the same old jokes, and Kenton said I won't. He went, and he just went, same old face then. Well, <laughs> like it's not, just, there were five, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then in uh, comes Mummy. Oh, Peg, Peggy, she's back. She found her way out of the time capsule. That wasn't Peggy. Not Peggy. Sorry, Jill. Jill. Y- yeah. You're time capsule mad. Actually, firstly, 
Jill sounded a little bit delicate and fragile. I thought I, I worry about her. Well, the actress, mm. the actress, you mean? Yeah. I saw that mentioned on Twitter and I didn't really, um, I hadn't picked up on it, but what I'm getting mm. this, this week, listening to uh, Matthew keeps on making these points and I'm like, I pretty, I just said very, very sort of um, bravely, oh, you know, oh, I listen, you know, I do listen to the show and sometimes listen to you two when we do the podcast, I really feel like I don't. Like I, <laughs> I learned so much about it. Like so, you know. And Kerry, you were saying that Jill, uh, Jill sounded frail. I just, I didn't pick up on that at all. So, in, in what way? Oh, just, um, I just think she's marvelous for still acting and so on. Really fabulous, but she just did sound the delivery of the lines. I mean, she's however old she is. Of course, she's yeah. going to sound that way. But um, I just believe it's becoming a little more noticeable not a criticism whatsoever I just um, wonder whether she maybe should stand down at some point soonish I don't know well she hasn't been in it for a long long yeah. time I think it's it, it's just so admirable to, I mean god I can't be asked going to the corner shop I don't know how she does it I'm just trying to imagine a kind of a, a young innocent Kerry Warbis with her little reedy, reedy voice. Oh, why, Mr. Carruthers, I'd love another pork pie, thank you. Before all the wood mines and whiskey set in, and we got the the husky baritone we all know and love. Even huskier tonight. Yeah, very husky tonight. <laughs> Full husk. Uh, why did you Why did you say that when we're talking about Jill? Well, you... no, you were talking about her. You know, her how her voice is sort of frail these days. Oh, I said. <laughs> Yeah. I know okay. what you mean, Kerry. There was a moment where she made a kind of a ooh noise and it was just, it sounded like someone slightly strangling an owl under the table or something. It was oh my very God. strange. I don't know about that. It was a real like impassioned hoot that she made. And I was like, oh, oh why is that noise? And this is how the case of the Bristol Owl Strangler was finally resolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Bristol Owl Matthew's going to be clapped in irons within, a, within the week. Matthew, you've let you know. It was a very niche crime, and yes. I had a good run. I went all around the globe. It's probably quite hard with their heads spinning round and round. It's it's, yeah, it's almost impossible. They just keep <laughs> rotating. There's no statute of limitations on owl murder. So, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I've, I've said too much. Oh, God, you're for it now. But, yeah, I was, I was happy to see her back, though. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like you're happy to see the back of her somehow in my mind. <laughs> no. I was happy I was happy to see her back I mean she's gonna when they both said like uh, I've got someone else I'm gonna I've got someone mm. else in mind I thought they were gonna be like you know go real left field and get Yakov in <laughs> or wheel in sort of Roy Chubby Brown or something <laughs> yeah. well I reckon I reckon you know they should be careful I reckon Jill might have a half a bottle of sherry she might be capable of doing a blue routine yeah did you see my tweet I said no. maybe Jill or do a bit of blue for the dads. Yeah. She might come out and go, hey, everyone, you've yeah. got enough desserts, you greedy <laughs> Yeah, a bit go all Bernard Manning with a sort of fag on and stuff. Well, and she, I tell you what, <laughs> she won't tolerate hecklers. No. She'd have Kenton and David in the front row. Yeah, she'd be like, throw stuff at them. <laughs> take my Leonard. No, no, seriously, take him. <laughs> where's, <laughs> Kenton, where's your kids? David pushed anyone off a roof recently. <laughs> Going really brutal. I think someone said, um, when are you going to pay me that 10 grand back, you 
<laughs> oh god it's, i mean i tell you what talking of we'll get there won't we but that got settled didn't it did kenton finally pay it back and then it had to, oh, the mum paid it the mum <laughs> yeah the mum the mum paid it. well that's her but name, it was in though. secret wasn't it name. it was somehow was like snaffled oh, away well i i thought that might have been for that that debt or that money story was consigned that was one for the ages until mm. adam's money issues came up again tonight yeah he Can actually I... sort of casually went oh you know i shouldn't have taken that i feel like i've let you down i should be a provider what with all that money i nicked from home farm and ian just went oh well yeah That's like, i can't remember adam telling ian this did he uh, am i just being thick no he oh. did he did tell him yeah all right okay yeah. Oh, it was Jenny. It was Jenny who didn't know. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. It was Jenny who didn't know, and now she knows. Yeah, that's how we had to hear about it tonight, wasn't it? Because it was. I was at this at that point. I was like, "You, um, Carrie." I was like, "Jenny doesn't know about this." <laughs> I thought she knew, but they, they, <laughs> it was shrouded in mystery why he left the farm, wasn't it? It's a strange loyalty from Brian that he would wouldn't tell Jenny about it. I mean, well, they've had the whole Alice thing going on, haven't they? True. It is a strange loyalty, though. Honestly, you would bloody say, wouldn't you? And also, speaking of loyalty, um, I was really pissed off that Ian took Adam jacking his job in so quickly, so well. Yeah, compared to how he took took it when he thought, you know, when Adam went for an interview, he hadn't told him about burst in the pub, yeah. <laughs> crashed, through a, <laughs> crashed through a bay window of a hotel. Yeah. What's going on here? Um, in a balaclava. I mean, Adam Adam marched in at lunch service, sort of going, come on, I need to speak to you somewhere private. And Ian's like, I'm just doing lunch service. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, impossible if it was a busy lunch service. Totally, yeah. Unforgivable. I was going to ask you, Matthew, because I, I mean, I, I, I know how stroppy I get when I'm doing something as, you know, just a lunch, like a meal for six or eight or something. So yeah, I can't even imagine. You can imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of that something will come up right at the beginning of the service. I mean, if the orders haven't started flying in, then maybe he was all right. But, um, I mean, unforgivable that he ignored Tracy on reception. Yes. Adam apparently walked in like Terminator, just kept <laughs> going, ignoring yeah. everyone. I, I just had my head down. I was just so lost in the moment. I bet that is how he walks, though. He probably walks and then his head, you know, when they turn a corner and the body goes first and then the head moves to was the there side. A- are they starting to write jokes for you now, Kerry? Because I thought there was the bit where he was like, "Is this? This isn't the staff. This is the staff room." And he's like, "I'm not a staff." He's like, "No, I'm a log." <laughs> well, to me, he's either a log, as people will perhaps know from Twitter. The picture I always put up as soon as the first time Adam ever speaks in an episode, I always put the log picture up because of his wooden acting, basically. But. Adam, I just feel like he's mixture, a mixture of log and droid. <laughs> so he is, like can, he's the log, he's the loginator. <laughs> yeah. Can you have a wooden robot? Well, I had a wooden car, so you can definitely oh, yeah. okay, have a Okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine then. Um, yeah. I have done the walkout of a kitchen in peak service when I've just had enough. Store. I did, did, I did you the throw down out. your cloth? I didn't throw down the shoulder. No, I threw back down on the counter a kind of container that had like kind of herbs and stuff in it. Uh, And then I turned on the guy that was about to get it 
and then he kind of went from authoritarian to crapping his pants. Ooh. And then I turned right and I turned around and left. It was someone who'd been promoted way. It was a guy who'd been promoted way beyond his station. And just instead of what normal people would do, which is like, let's share the knowledge and help and make sure everything runs mm. perfectly. He just turned into a little Hitler and uh, he tried it. I was only, the, I was only in this place because I was younger and hungry at that time. I had like a three week wheel, uh, window of opportunity before I went back to my old restaurant and it was a Gary Rhodes restaurant that had opened up in Dublin. Mm. So I was basically just helping out and this guy just, uh, I don't know whether he, I don't know what it was. He, I think he thought he was going to, gonna talk down to me and it didn't last very long oh did you go back and work again? no no i let i let it oh, was, was, it was it. Was no it was my last day but i was meant to work to around 2 a.m and it was lunchtime getting uh... towards the end of lunchtime shift and uh, i sent an email to the head chef who was gary rolls gary rhodes old sous chef and just apologized and just said like that guy's a dick and he wrote back <laughs> and he's like yeah he is yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're ian and Adam marches in going, I need to speak to you. You wouldn't take it kindly, would you, like Ian did, really? No, I think the very fact that he got as far as the kitchen is a little bit staggering. Mm. But I guess it's a hotel and, you know, yeah. there's, there's not that, that many staff. If it was in a restaurant, I think it would be a bit more challenging. Yeah. I mean, Adam's voice was insanely bad at that point, I thought, when he was expressing his desperacy about what he'd just done and I do think like was could this Christian have been that bad would you walk out would you not if someone was treat you know wanting to sack someone for spurious reasons would you not go I'm not doing that and I'm going to tell someone else that you're doing it I've I've done I've done it I walked out because a boss refused to pay an invoice to a friend um and I, I marched. I basically said, you've got 15 minutes to make your mind up. I'm going to go and pack my desk up. And then I walked out and I went up. I went, anyway, I went, went, and then, and they were like, we need to have a word. We had a word. And then they were there. And then I was mm. like, I said, okay, you can apologize and pay the invoice. They're like, no. So I walked out and I marched out, yeah. marched down the street. And I felt amazing. And then the adrenaline yeah. left me. And suddenly the horror of what I had done. <laughs> And the immaturity of it and how I should have just, because it wasn't like Matthew's situation where I was rolling the dice on a few weeks. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, don't have a pint or two, but I basically threw away everything. And I realized <laughs> I had to walk back to my um, long-term girlfriend's. Uh, oh. you know, she was going to have to welcome her home from work and explain why we're down to one income. Were oh, there not God. any fruit picking jobs going? <laughs> I uh, Well, as you know, I am a former fruit picker, so I would quite happily do it you know, if the opportunity raised itself. Yeah. And then also, I've picked fruit. Oh, no, no, no. But but, uh, but this is the thing. We're not holiday, not holiday um, job fruit picking, but fruit picking, fruit picking. Um, and uh, it was, um, yeah. And, and to be fair, did, did Adam not show himself in a very good light by being so, you know, happy to roll up his sleeves and help out? Yeah, that's one good thing that he's done, you know, not unlike Jennifer, who thinks it's beneath him. He at least is going, look, I'll do anything. You need help. I've got no job. I will help you. But going, just going back to the guy who was going to be sacked out of spite, I just worry more about him because <laughs> Adam's marched off and the awful man is going to sack the guy out of spite. 
if he'd stayed, he could have at least sort of made some more efforts to protect yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Style things. Exactly. I think I would stay and try to sort that out before marching off. I thought the same thing about myself after I'd stormed out. I was like, okay, well, what little leverage I, I used to have is now gone and my mate's mm. definitely not going to get paid now. So mm. yeah, you're right. Mm. As always, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, there, there's that thing. I mean, it's, it's the, uh, was it in Seinfeld? The walking in is when you know you're going to quit your job. I'm walking in. I feel great. And I think they ask, how does the walk out feel? And they go, not so great. That's when you realise all the money you've just... <laughs> <laughs> But but, but, yeah. but you know the principle of it is right in that you don't wish to be working for someone who's horrendous, and to the relief of putting that behind you, it must be great. But it's a risky business, isn't it, to do that unless you've got something else to go to. Who was the lady who did it with a lot more panache and style? Denise at the um, the uh, you know the vet veterinary surgery. Mm-hmm. Was it Denise? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, her quitting was, you know, that was a uh, pièce de résistance, um, where she sort of sort of explained to Jacob in no, you know, no uncertain terms mm. how he had loaded the gun, put, you know, pointed it um, at her, and effectively fired it with her beha- with his poor behaviour. Mm. Yeah, wasn't she like A? I won't need my day in lieu, and he was like, but 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 she was because of B. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to hear. What Adam was saying to Christian at that, well, I don't know, I wouldn't like to hear anything Adam does, but um, I wonder what actually happened is what I'm trying to say. You're being jolly nasty, Christian. I mean, I can't imagine him being particularly bullish. He's quite, I think he's kind of brave after the event, isn't he? I can't, he's not sort of, Mm. he doesn't seem to have a huge spine. But what he needs to do, I think Adam needs to open a spite farm. (laughs) Okay. He just needs to find a plot of land or some decent land around um, uh, around the region and set up his own farm just to spite um, Danforth Barton <laughs> and please, God of the archers, let me say the right farm name here, Home Farm. Yeah, that's where and, he make the money from. Yeah, and just spite the two of them, you know. I, mm. But luckily, he has the loving support of Jenny. Oh. Who took it? Who took it so well, didn't she? When she got chatting with Tom, I like she was. Tom was like, "Oh, you know, we're losing all of these fruit pickers due to um, Brexit," and uh, <laughs> they dared to finally mention. And she was like, "Maybe Adam could help you out." And he was like, "Well, he already is." Mm. Um, you know, she was like, "Actually, we don't call him Adam anymore. We call him Picker Number Seven. That's him. <laughs> up in, that's him carrying a rickshaw up in the top field up there." <laughs> But, then, but she was like, my Adam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is he going to be too knackered? He, If a commute of 20 minutes does him in, one way commute of 20 minutes does him in, how is he going to cope with bloody picking, lifting potatoes and picking apples? He's 50 something, isn't he? Yeah. There's um there was an article about there was an article in the Telegraph that got a lot of mileage this week, which was about mm. um they was they were citing an amount you could earn of thirty yeah. pounds an hour in the field, and I have worked in the field with women who earn good money picking, you know, um and they pick seasonally, and and the reason they they it, it's a skill and they work like maniacs, 
and they used to repick my rows because I was young and terrible. So they'd almost like they'd finish their row and they'd come up, they'd be coming up behind me, repicking my row, and they'd have more fruit in their basket than I did. It's, I mean, and I made you know terrible money, but so it's you know it basically it's, it's and it's backbreaking work. I know, yeah. you, I know you guys know this, but I mean, I was I was I was seventeen, eighteen, and I was absolutely smashed at the end of every day. It was one of those um, staffer goes and does something for like half a day and writes about it as if they can tell you what it's like to do it for years. It's like undercover boss, isn't it? Yeah. But there was a really good counter tweet thread. I don't know if you saw it, Peter, by a bloke who's a professional fruit picker describing what it's actually like and how you what the things you have to get go through in order to get anywhere close to getting 30 I saw that. an hour yeah, I saw that. did you it was really well written wasn't multiple it multiple knives he was saying multiple yes, knives exactly um, you, yeah. you manage your toilet breaks and that yeah. was um and that was the thing like I remember one shift in particular it was raining so hard and I just basically threw in the towel and you know I was just like okay I can't be bothered um mm. because you know because I was 17 and I didn't have a family to to think about but you know these women just plowed on didn't yeah, even think. awful yeah mm. so will, will it break adam i wonder you know will he be able to do it hack it for i mean it's only temporary isn't he, he said it's you know to tide him over um until he gets what i wonder well jen has said we'll surely we can find a place back for you at home farm cleaning the toilets most was that um and you know matthew Last week had a, a bit of a go at the kind of classism in the arches. I've done it a few times. I know Kerry has in the past. We've all basically had a chip on our shoulder about it. Um, I um, and I, I, by the way, I don't claim I don't have I don't have a particular dog in the fight. I don't claim to be something I'm not. I'm not pretending to be working class when I'm not. But I, you know, it does irritate the crap out of me. But Jenny, it really, really wound me up because she's quite happy to make hundreds of well millions of pounds off the labour of these working class folk. And then the sight of her son um, heading to the field to do an honest day labour, honest day's labour. And Kerry and I were talking beforehand, Matthew, about how just proud I think I think you'd agree with this, Kerry. How proud Kerry mm. would be if Max jacked in his job, and the next day he was like, in, you know, he was out in the fields doing something else to keep himself busy. I mean, no, I, everything I, I heard that conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. And I think, especially Jennifer, good grief, you've just gone through hell with one of the kids to the point where you know you only sink to those depths that's when you should appreciate all the simple things in life like health and happiness um and then so adam's saying that you don't your go-to at that moment should not be that's beneath you your management what are you doing it should be are you okay as a mother shouldn't it i think you'd be i think you'd be over the moon that he was his head and her head hadn't dropped, and that he was actually feeling positive and moving forward. Exactly. Beyond this robbery, just just like oh, good, he's you know he's keeping himself busy and he's not just at home, sort of you know doing destructive things. It's a real shame because I thought Jennifer had sort of she'd handled all the um, Alice stuff a bit clumsily, but as well as she could, and I thought she might have learnt from that. And this was horrible to hear. 
Mm. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, sense, does it? Because surely the one thing you would take away from the whole Alice experience is that the golden child can be, you know, suffering in secret and be, you know, living this double mm. and really quite sort of um, problematic life. So actually, yeah. then you would look around at your other children and go, well, you know, may, maybe maybe the reverse is true. And actually, you know, Adam's messy life, at least he's, at least he's, you know, he's patching up with Ian. He's, he keeps on trying to move forward. He might be a terrible farmer, but he does his best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of weird things, Helen and Stella really bonded, didn't they? This week. Ruth and Stella. Sorry. Yeah. But Ruth and Stella bonding over a pot of tea. I think the only thing to come out of that was that she's been invited to the harvest the harvest lunch, isn't it, really? Yeah. The harvest yeah. dinner, whatever. Is it a lunch or a dinner? Even I forgot. Harvest supper. Isn't harvest it? supper. That's God, what it's called. Yeah. How can you forget? <laughs> They've been banging on about it all all the time. I don't know. I think it, it wasn't just that. They did seem to... I don't know. I don't trust that Stella, though. Um, they did seem to get along. There seemed to be an element of respect there happening. I might they, be a fool. They bonded over what a dick Pip was. That's right. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why I liked it. Mm. So, yeah, interesting to see what goes. So, yeah, I think we're going to have some nice, interesting characters showing up for the Harvest Supper. So let's see how we go. It might be. I mean, despite all of the tedious sort of wind up for it, it, they have kind of set it up that it could be any number of things. You've got Ben and Josh needling each other, Pip and, Pip and Stella, Pip and Stella getting drunk. You know, Pip could have her um, Alice at Nick's wake moment. That could be quite um, quite special. Um, you know, they they have set it up for there to be some kind of something comedic or something, some high drama. Yeah, the supper of a thousand desserts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knew that sort of type two diabetes could happen so quickly and so fatally? You know? But when Kenton and David were were practicing and bickering and what have you, they, one of them mentioned the crowds. How many people are going? <laughs> it's the barn, isn't it? I mean, they could fit they could fit the Casey wedding in there. Um, yeah, but I thought it was a family bash, and you invite well, a few people, not like well, hordes, coach loads of folk are going to show. Well, I mean, Jazz is going to be there by the sounds of it. Um, it seems to be half the village. I mean, basically, it's everyone we know from the show is meant to be there, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, there's a core cast of seventy, isn't there? Mm. Um, but I think it goes up into in peripheral, it goes way over the hundred. Yeah, I think my most worrying moment, though, of, out of everything we've spoken about, it's another thing, was that the Bridge Fresh shopping platform went down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you not have a Facebook page that would then tell everyone that it's gone down? And oh, just to, to message you. I just but, love yeah. that, Tom and I mean, his app. And Tony's like, can't you fix it? And I think, you know, <laughs> Tony would come into the office later and just find... You know, Tom ramming sausages into the hard drive, thinking that might work. <laughs> this usually works, Dad. I don't know. Call Natasha. And then she comes in with some lipstick and starts drawing smiley faces on it. <laughs> if we just make it look happy. Oh, that did make me laugh. I did. I wanted to ask you guys, as you're sort of filmy types. Um, there's Highlander. The, shut it. Halloween zombie themed film quiz. Okay, that was something that uh, Kenton has lined up for his lucky customers. <laughs> yes. Um, so zombie films, I have 
seen very few of these. I wondered what your favourite zombie films were. Um, I'll just tell I, I you. Don't do horror. Sorry, you don't do horror. Have you? Well, Shaun of the Dead is a zombie film that everyone's probably seen. That, yeah, well, Dawn, which is a play on words of Dawn of the Dead. Yes, yeah. Can you guess the year that Shaun of the Dead was made? I reckon, based on John, you know, I'm normally really good based on where I was at that time. I'm I'm going to say 2006. Ooh, lower, lower. Three. Higher, higher. Are we in the birthday cake game? <laughs> no. Nick Frost is drinking the same pub as me. And so, I don't know, 2004? Yay! Okay. Oh, did he? Did All you right. meet him then, Peter? His, his, his wife, I think it's his wife, used to be sort of like, you know, um, chatting the pub buddies, if not actual buddies, but, you know, like mm. always chatting in the pub buddies yeah. with my ex. And I never once made, he never made an effort to talk to me, even though I was partners for chatting, I never made an effort to chat with him because the football was on. And I always thought it would be a complete bullshit move to sort of, you know, lean across and be like, oh, yeah, I can just assume I'll talk to you. And actually looking back, it's more of a bullshit move to actually think about it and not chat to him. Like as if it hadn't, if he hadn't been famous, I 100% would have talked to him. Yeah, yeah. It's a funny one, though. You don't want to bother people, do you? You know, I get that. So it was kind of like, yeah. But anyway, so I, I, I sat next to him on many an occasion without ever, mm. well, you know, 10, 10 occasions probably, without ever actually mm. bothering talking to him, which is weird and, and not like me at all. So anyway, in the unlikely circumstance, Nick ever hears this, um, you know, the um, uh, <laughs> thing is he would never recognise me now because I'm about half, the, I'm about double the weight. I weighed myself on some scales at the doctor today absolutely heart-stoppingly scary numbers flashed up yeah but never mind condolences um i did see a really good um zombie film which was called dead snow i don't know if oh yeah it's a norwegian one the nazi one yeah norwegian nazi snow it's all it's all about the confiscation of the Nazi gold and the zombies are coming back for it, isn't it? Yeah, I quite enjoyed that one. Yeah, it's very good, that film. I yeah. my, I like They Live, the John Carpenter Oh my one. God, that's amazing. Isn't that the guy? love that. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I wouldn't have considered that to be a zombie film, is it? Oh, I, I feel like it is, don't I, you? I thought it was like alien-y type thing. Oh, that's mm. interesting. Perhaps I'm wrong. But that's a, an amazing film. Love it. Yeah. Let us let us know your favourite zombie films. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't know what they are. <laughs> How would they let us know on Twitter, Kerry? Oh, well done. <laughs> uh, we're at the Cider Shed Pod on Twitter. So give us all your zombie film recommendations there. Yeah, yeah we'll try and gif it up. Mm, promises promises <laughs> yeah, no, well, i mean you know matthew and i've got the, the photoshop skills we can get it done um email any zombie stuff uh, or even archer stuff as well if you want or even stuff about us to hello at the cidershed.com um all emails answered um reasonably promptly yeah if you want to find us on facebook we're at the cidershed pod uh no at the cidershed podcast no we're not <laughs> nice edit <laughs> incoming peter we're the cidershed podcast on facebook and on instagram we are at the cider shed pod and i do have to eat some humble pie because kerry told me last week post that photo of us up in bar of soap <laughs> in instagram i was like nah, no one cares about that and i posted it up and the next time i went in it had like about 80 likes yep so 
I will. I will admit, I was wrong. It's the most right. likes I think any of them have got, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, it was a lot, wasn't you, it? Told you. <laughs> people don't. Apparently, a lot of people just saying, "I don't think I, I." That's not what we imagine you look like. I was like, "Well, you know." Yeah, they thought we were older and oh, it was something like older and more bitter or something. <laughs> Looking. Yeah, someone said that, didn't they? I it wasn't be bitter. Up. It was something similar. Yeah, War torn. They were surprised. I saw Chris Evans last week, um, and I used to f-ing hate it when people said I looked like Chris Evans. And I saw him in the street last week, and I knew I felt I just all I wanted to scream was I look nothing like you. I was over the moon when I saw him in the flesh. I was like, no, I, it, it, it looked absolutely nothing like that man. You definitely don't look anything like him. You do look like somebody, and I haven't figured out who it is yet. It's it's a goalkeeper. It's someone, isn't it a, a Schmeichel or something? Yeah, before one of the Schmeichels. Before the fattening, I used to get Ryan Felipe, but um, they, those those glorious days are gone now. Oh blimey, Ryan Felipe! You there don't you want go. to look like him. That's pretty. Who the hell is that? Oh, he was in. Um, oh God, does it, he? He was. He was micro famous for about five minutes, about twenty yeah. years ago. I, I, I had a female friend, a female flatmate in Dublin, and she said that Ryan Felipe want, made her want to vomit. Oh, <laughs> well, nice. um, <laughs> 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 he's not the only one who has that effect on. I think it's his acting <laughs> was the problem, not his face. <laughs> If he, yeah, if he, that wasn't he, what the people were saying about Peter, was it? No, oh God, oh shit, I've just realised how that sounded. Jesus, mate. Matthew. No, that's all right. No, no it's just, he's really slimy, isn't he? As an yes. actor, he's oh, really Peter. slimy. No, he isn't. No. <laughs> uh, although I am, I am, as I've mentioned before, an award-winning actor, so let's not be too quick to, um, you know. Peter, you're far more um, attractive than Ryan Felipe. No, no, you are. No, well you done, are. Matthew. You are. <laughs> no, Ryan Felipe used to make me want to punch the TV whenever he came on something. Ooh. Oh, the word was jaded. You look much younger and less jaded than I imagined. Oh, that's damned by the very, Is very it? faintest of praise there. That means we sound old and jaded on here. <laughs> well, Gary, your this voice week. is cut. <laughs> yeah, good luck with the edit this week, Peter. What were you going to say, Matthew? Your voice is what? Your voice is cleared up while we've done the show. Oh, yeah, if I laugh, though, it's not pretty. It's, is it... There's a lot of phlegm. Is anyone, have, have, you, have you ever heard the opening? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, blimey. Have you I ever know. heard the, op- the opening um, audio of Black Sabbath's third album, Master of Reality? Is it a old bird coughing? It's Aussie coughing. <laughs> and, it's like, and it's looped, and then it just goes straight into... Um, can't remember what's the um, sweet leaf go straight into it it's an epic oh, opening of an album i'll have to hear that i could yeah. probably replicate it i'll share it out this weekend mm. well if it wasn't such a nice joke matthew i although good one i would uh, uh try and edit kerry's coughs into the beginning of the show but um i think it might there might the audience might be the audience <laughs> of that gag might be very 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 small um, <laughs> Well, um, I um, I think we've done good work with what, apart from the Blake plot, was quite a meagre week. So um, well done, you two. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we will see you next week. Yeah, I'm off to buy a scented candle that's like Vicks Vapor Rub. If they don't exist already, I'm going to go on Dragon's Den, by the it's way. It's not one of Gwyneth's, is it? No, it isn't. <laughs> no, but see you next week. Uh, See you next week. Bye-bye.